Join me in welcoming one of the social media darlings of horticulture right here on Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. My guest is soon to be Dr. Jared Barnes, and my guest is Jer- Jared Barnes, and I'm happy to welcome him to Kendrew's Real Dirt. Hello, Jared. Good morning, Ken. People who know about you or who follow you know that, that might know you better by your alter ego. There's a YouTube video in which you rush into a classroom where the North Carolina State University Horticulture Club is meeting, and you are masked and dressed in a round, pale brown suit with trailing green cape, and you claim to be Superseed, <laughs> and you introduce uh, Superseed's radical powers, and radical is spelled R-A-D-I-C-L-E, which we know is the first root that comes out of a germinating seed. <laughs> that is very true. And when you walk into that room, the the guys, it seems to be mostly men, are howling but and learning. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very, very true. But uh, I'm uh, I'm thrilled to welcome you and Superseed today to the show. <laughs> Thank you. We're happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now you're soon to be doctor because you're getting your PhD. That is correct. Yes, I uh, finished up my prelims uh, this past summer, and I'll be defending uh, my dissertation in one month. So I'll be really, really glad to have that out of the way. And and what are your plans <laughs> after that? <laughs> well, my plans are to try to find a university position. You know, uh, like you alluded to, I really, really enjoy teaching, and I really enjoy plants, and I really enjoy working with students and people and. That, that sort of position just, I feel like, would really, really fit me well uh, for whenever I start looking for a job. So, you know, I'm looking at jobs now, applying for a few, too. So uh, we're just sort of seeing what's out there. Well, uh, I'm also interested in all those uh, mostly guys. Well, in the YouTube video, it seems like everybody in the Hort Club are men. Is, is that correct? No, actually, it's about a 50-50 split. I think it may have just been specifically, you know, who is uh, being filmed that night. Maybe, you know, they sort of segregated a little bit, but it's a 50-50 split, roughly, in horticulture. They're they're really a great group of kids. And and what do you think those kids are going to go on to do? Oh, gosh, you know, we have such a diversity here in the department. We have students that go off into landscaping positions, uh, we have some that have aspirations to go and start their own nursery. Some of them are coming in from nurseries uh, that their families have owned and operated for many years, and so they're wanting to continue on that legacy. Some of them have aspirations to go on to grad school. In fact, this year uh, we've had three of the undergrads that have continued on uh, into the graduate program here. In, you know, occasionally, um, uh, once a year, we'll have a couple that will come along. So. And then some of them wanted to go into research, you know, to find out uh, what are the issues that we're facing in horticulture and trying to solve some of those big questions that we are dealing with. Well, I want to get to those questions, and I will eventually. I want to uh, tell people that North Carolina State University is, well, really world famous for horticulture. It's it's one of the, the places that people go when they're interested in getting a degree in horticulture, which... Uh, I wish more people were doing. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, North Carolina State University, it's just been an absolutely great place to come to school. You know, I've been here now for five years. I did my master's here. 
and I did, and I'm, I'm doing my doctorate here now. But you're right; it is world renowned for horticulture. It's one of the top horticulture programs in the nation. Uh, we've got a great diversity of students and faculty members here as well, too. And you know, some people have really helped it come to uh, really get you know the acclaim that he it has, like J.C. Ralston. You know, he was definitely one of the late 20th century forerunners in horticulture, traveled, traveled the world, collected a lot of unique plants, and then brought them back to the J.C. Ralston Arboretum. And, you know, now they continue on his mission of trying to find unique flora around the world and trying to disseminate that and get that out to the public. Yep. And I knew J.C. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you're probably too young. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, you met him. I, <laughs> I did not actually know. He passed away in 96, and I would have been about 11 then. Okay, So, great. <laughs> unfortunately, I didn't get to, but, you know, I've read his biography by Bobby Ward, and, and walking around the Arboretum, you know, sometimes it just almost feels like you did sort of know him uh, from just seeing the plants that he chose and reading about him in that biography. Right, which I think is chlorophyll in in my veins. Chlorophyll in his veins, yeah. His and another veins. great thing, too, is, you know, we've got faculty members here like Bryce Lane. You know, he talks about the wonderful conversations he had with J.C. and how they were, you know, close friends. And so, you know, people talk about him, about how great he was in the department. Yep. And those were exciting days when, well, for me, unfortunately, I'm, I'm an indiscriminate plant collector. And I always thought everything that he, everything he touched, I just wanted. I wanted yeah. to try <laughs> that crazy contorted uh, mulberry or something like that. And yeah. And, about half of those plants have turned out to be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, that that's that's part of plant evaluation. You know, stick it in the ground, see how it does, and then evaluate it and see if it has uh, use in home gardens or arboreta or you know for other resources as well too. So tell me about you. Tell me your history, your your personal biography. My personal biography is that. Uh, whenever I was younger, you know, I loved being outside. My parents, uh, we and and my sister and I, we lived on sort of a, in a rural environment. So you know, I was exposed to nature and outdoors, and I loved seeing the combines and the fields uh, combining. And uh, one of the most formative people that had an impact on me in my early life was my great grandfather. Uh, I remember spending a lot of time with him in his garden. You know, he would push his Troy built rototiller, and I'd follow behind him, raking out our footsteps. And you know, he he actually took the initiative to actually set aside a little place for me to have a garden too. And so one of the first gardens I ever had was uh, in first grade. You know, my mom shared that with me, and I thought that was really really cool. That you know, here I am, six years old, seven years old, and I'm already out there growing plants. Where was that? It, uh, it was in uh, rural West Tennessee, uh, in Union City. That's that's the area that I grew up in. So, you know, Union City has a population of about 12,000 people, to sort of put it in perspective for you. So, hmm. um, And he, my great-grandfather passed away when I was 12, and it sort of left a hole in my life. And so I started researching about the things that you could do and, and with plants and you know, I, I wouldn't settle for just, you know, well, throw some triple 10 or tri triple 20 down in the garden. You know, I wanted better answers, and so I started reading books, and I uh, joined a local master gardener class whenever I was 15, and it's kind of funny because my mom had to drive me uh, up to the sessions, you know, and sit through, you know, three hours listening to uh, about, 
you know, insects or pests or lawnmower maintenance and stuff. But, you know, my parents have really, really uh, definitely uh, been a very, very big part of supporting me and my passions and everything. So uh, they've been a big help as well, too. And then probably one of the biggest impacts uh, that really propelled me from sort of gardening into horticulture was whenever I was awarded the Perennial Plant Association Academic Scholarship in 2007, and I got to go up and participate in the symposium in Columbus, Ohio that week. And so, you know, I met Stephen Steele and Laura Dieter and Dan Himes and a lot of these great people, Stephanie Cohen, you know, Mm -hmm. that took me under wing and they introduced me to new opportunities. You know, Stephanie helped me or told me about the uh, internship that I did at Scarter Breedham in 2008. And a lot of those people also told me about some of the great programs like at NC State. And so I've been very, very fortunate that, you know, throughout my life I've sort of been sort of walking up this ladder, sort of standing on these shoulders of giants, and and really had some great support that has helped to propel me to where I am today. You know, that's actually a, a common thing that I hear of for some reason, and you'll do it too when when you're in the position to do it. The people in horticulture like to help people in horticulture. They do. I, I you know, I see it a lot of times, you know, and it, it's it's very, very, it's very, very great to be, you know, part of a family sort of type, you know, because you'll go somewhere and someone will be like, oh, you know, well, here, you can stay at my house this weekend, or, you know, here, let me take you out to dinner, or, you know, here, let me share with you this new plant or this new cutting, you know, and it's it's great that we are in a, a, a passion, a craft, an industry, whatever you want to call it, where so many people are so supportive of each other, definitely. You know, maybe it's because we're, in, in some ways we're outsiders and we're together as outsiders we have something in common as, as if we well we do i was going to say as if we speak a, a language all our own and we do <laughs> that that is very accurate you know a lot of my friends get around about you know why aren't you know you're always traveling and going to all these places and say well you know we horticulturists we're few and far between and we have to sort of you know travel or you know get on facebook or you know do something through social media to keep in touch with each other just because we are so few and far between and there's so many times you'll you'll especially in the old days you'd go someplace and talk to someone who really just wouldn't even look at you in the eye until you said that Latin name of the yeah. of their favorite plant and then the huh. whole world opens up you know and they end up giving you cuttings <laughs> yeah. and plants and pots and when they find out that you're one of them <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's a good point. Well, you mentioned before that uh, some of these students are going into what might be a might they might have a stressful future, uh, or that horticulture. I don't know how you phrase it exactly, but it's something that's on my mind. What do you imagine might be the future of horticulture? And I know it's a it is a difficult time for us when when JC was really uh, at, cooking and at his peak. We all were, we wanted every plant and we were buying plants and there were nurseries and there was heronswood and, you know, we just couldn't wait for the next thing. And that's changed. That has changed. You're correct. So, so as far as what I imagine the future horticulture will look like, I think right now that we're just sort of in a lull. You know, the 80s and 90s and early 2000s were great because, you know, the economy was flourishing and also, I think you sort of were riding that baby boomer or baby boom wave mm-hmm. uh, where you had a lot of people who you know, were having children and then getting out and starting to have you know houses and yards and and everything and so i my hope is is that you know a lot of people in my generation once we start 
you know, sort of have kids and start settling down uh, will buy houses and begin to have yards and gardens because, you know, we ask ourselves the question in horticulture, you know, well, how can we get people out into the yards, out and gardening? And, and you know, I have friends right now that are starting to have kids, and I look at their lives, and, and they're so consumed with, you know, their children or and their work. You know, they're just starting jobs. And so it's almost like right now it's hard for them to have a garden. But here in 10 years when their kids start getting, you know, uh, of age where they can take care of themselves and the parents can sort of get outside and start doing some things, you know, sort of get outside the house, you know, away from the kids. Um, I think that they're going to want to start putting down more roots and, you know, settling down and having things. So uh, my hope is that it's just sort of a temporary lull that we're experiencing right now in horticulture, you know, with both the economy and and also sort of hitting this generational gap right now. Another hope that I have is that in horticulture, you know, we offer people something that's tangible, something that's real, something that they can touch, that they can smell, that they can taste, that they can eat. And so, you know, you read stories about how people are actually now paying to go to hotels and exquisite resorts where they basically take your cell phone and where they take your computer away uh, whenever you get there. And so basically you pay to have a week away from technology, and I think that potentially – that horticulture may offer that for people one day, that, you know, plants aren't connected to a plug. You know, they're out there, they're real, they're growing, and there's something that people can actually experience. And I think we as humans enjoy having things that we can create and that we can build. You know, people want to learn how to play guitars or climb a mountain, and, you know, those things take a lot of practice. Those things take a lot of work. But, you know, those are real experiences, things that people are really doing themselves and engaging in. I think horticulture offers that to people. I just don't think that we market that well enough. That's interesting. Uh, so we we need to have horticulture vacations. <laughs> that's right, definitely, yeah. And that's what I need to do. I need to set up a business where people come and work in my yard, say, you know, just advertise it and say, hey, you know, you can pay me to come work in my yard. I'll take your cell phone and your Internet away for a week. And <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> do that maybe, for them, maybe yeah. you should start with a reality show. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, sur- I could do that. Survivor, right? survivor yeah. Garden. And I hope it doesn't <laughs> take all the way to the time when the kids go to college, which used to be the, the way things went. People would have kids, and when the kids finally went, they'd turn to the garden. But now I see people turning to Twitter and turning to Facebook and turning to their iPhones and and not going outdoors. Well, that's a that's a big yeah. thing. People just don't go outdoors anymore. Yeah, that is a big thing. And I also think that um, as our population continues to grow, what we're at seven billion now, you know, hmm. a couple months ago, that we will begin to have run into issues with water usage, with uh, energy usage. And so I think plants offer us um, also a respite from that. You know where. You can grow food on rooftops or you can sort of grow food in your own backyard to support yourself. Or maybe it's that plants can be grown along the sides of buildings or on tops of buildings to you know, help to prevent that cooling effect. Or maybe they can mitigate uh, water you know, and, and actually capture water so that it's not always running off. And so you know, horticulture, I, I think, also offers more uh, functional solutions as well, too, as we continue to grow as a society. So that's another hopeful thing. Well, you mentioned that you go around the country, and I know you attend all these symposia and meet lots of people, uh, and you're talking about how maybe in 
maybe in the real world or the world of normal people, I don't know how to, the non-horde people, that there's a lull. Uh, Do you see the opposite of a lull when you go around and to these different places and meet other people who are interested in horticulture, young people? Well, people are starting to talk about that things are turning around, that, you know, the industry is starting to pick back up a little bit, especially, you know, now that we're sort of trying to come out of this recession, you know, with houses being rebuilt. You know, I think one of the main problems that we had is that the industry was so dependent upon housing, Mm -hmm. you know, to sort of fuel uh, the sale of horticulture. And when that dropped out, you know, a lot of people's bread and butter were gone. But, you know, it's optimistic to me to see people that I interact with on a daily basis that aren't horticulturists. You know, I have a lot of friends that are outside the department that, you know, don't actively garden or that wish they could garden or that are just starting gardening. And I see their interactions with plants and how a lot of times they find peace or serenity or, you know, excitement. I have one plant, it's an oxalis, and it's touch-sensitive. And some of my friends just love to come along and just, you know, they're fascinated by the fact that when they hit the leaf, it droops. Mm. You know, and they're just like, wow, that's the coolest thing ever. Or, you know, when people smell things or, you know, interact and taste a plant. So I think that um, there is a little bit of turnaround going around. But again, you know, I'm I'm not wanting to say that it's definitely on the up end again like it might have been in the, in sort of the heyday times. But I do believe that the desire that people have for wanting to grow local foods and to support local economies is helping uh, the industry to to grow a little bit, definitely. Well, you mentioned the plant that moved. Do you know the name of that oxalis? Oxalis, uh, I can't think of the name right now. I think it's uh, header. It's it's fire fern is the is the common name. It's like. Um, Heterofolium or, or something like that, but I can't remember the name of it right I know, now. No, that's funny. I've never touched that plant. <laughs> and I've touched <laughs> yeah, Mimosa pudica. Yeah, it's, if, it's in a, if it's in a windy spot, it, you know, it's sort of like desensitized by wind, but if you've got it in a sunny, if you've got it in a sunny windowsill, it will, um, it will uh, you know, when you touch it, it'll, it'll droop. Heterosteroides, I think, may be the name of it. Well, we're going to um, we're going to put that online. <laughs> so we won't have necessarily have a link, but I'll try to remember to get that name there. Yeah, uh, sure. So, you know, you're talking about uh, that particular thing, having people having an interaction with one plant. And unfortunately, that's getting people interested in gardening one person at a time. But I've always thought that if, if you could do that, I mean, it's not hard. If you That is true. You ta- and, if, yeah, go ahead. Well, and, you know, you're right. We almost have to all sort of be working and collaborating together if we're really going to promote horticulture. I mean, I, I ask ourselves the question, you know, we study how to propagate plants. You know, the question is, is how do we propagate gardeners? How do we cultivate new gardeners? And I think it's all of us working and collaborating together. And sort of the way that, you know, I've gone about doing it is that I want to be a teacher. You know, I want to be out there reaching out to new students who are coming through the program and sort of showing them the options that they have. One of the most common things that you hear from students that they say is that, you know, oh, I didn't realize that I could get a degree in horticulture, oh, or I didn't yeah. realize that there were this many job opportunities. And so, you know, that's why I try to be creative and engaging in the classroom, you know, classroom, you know, like the super seed skit. That came about from a Halloween costume. And, you know, I went and did it with my friends, and 
they, you know, it was it was in our Bible study group, and none of them were really gardeners, and so they didn't get the jokes about the radical and the cotyledons and stuff. But man, like you said, whenever I went and did it for the horticulture club, they loved it. And so then next thing I knew, uh, teachers wanted me to start coming and, and doing it in their classrooms, doing the skit in there and talking about the different parts. And, you know, I think the more that we can engage and you know, sort of bring to light how much fun this stuff can be. You know, you can throw up a slide that shows cotyledons and radical on that, and, you know, it really has no connection. But if you can make it fun and engaging, you know, and really what we're doing is we're we're sort of highlighting the wonder of plants. And I think that's sort of what we have to do um, collectively as gardeners is try to figure out creative ways to show people um, how great these things are. Wow, what a challenge! Yeah, definitely. And one of the challenges that the is that the people. It's great that you're invited to classrooms because I've I've found that the people who are in the way <laughs> between <laughs> us and the public don't uh, don't get it, and that's a big problem. For example, uh, you know, a lot of the the mentality is get the garden done in no time, and yeah. I say this all the time. That's not that has nothing to do with it. You know, this is something yeah. we're going to do our whole lives. We have no interest in getting it done in no time, but so many people, especially more and more, more and more, you see fewer and fewer people out there even mowing the lawn. Now they just hire companies and they have so little contact with growing things. And they don't realize how, just like you're saying, how exciting that is. And if you have an interest in nurturing, horticulture is, is the avenue. It's the way to go. Yeah, definitely. You know, we as a society are really getting to the point where I, I, I think it. I think a lot of it comes from uh, that we've become a society where we specialize in one thing and sort of outsource other things. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of like specialize in working or or doing something specific, and we outsource our food, we outsource our landscaping. You know, we outsource sometimes even our entertainment. You know, where we turn to televisions and other things for entertainment. But I hope, you know, whenever I was talking about as far as the realness, when it, for people to experience real things. You know, for example, I recently brought, bought a guitar, <laughs> and I have no musical background whatsoever. Uh, you know, the last time that I really took anything musical was in fifth grade. and But I was inspired to buy a guitar because, you know, I love listening to this bluegrass music, and I love listening to some of these songs, and I'm like... You know, I would I would love to be able to create this thing, and for me, it's been very, very humbling to go through uh, sort of the experience of buying that and trying to learn that. I don't even I don't even know a song yet, but again, I'm working towards it. But it puts me in the eyes of a lot of the gardeners uh, day is that you know that overwhelming experience whenever I went into the guitar store and I just looked around and there were hundreds of guitars in the wall. You know, that I think is sort of the fir- experience that first-time gardeners have when they go into garden centers and they sort of like, you know, just look around and see all the options and it's, it's almost overwhelming. But, you know, if you're, if you're inspired and if you've sort of got that, you know, passion, that seed sort of planted in, the, in you, that curiosity that you're interested in it, you know, I believe you can power through and do it. And like you said, you know, that, you know, we hope to have a garden done and one day I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about, uh, uh, gardening, how it's sort of like mountain climbing. You know, we have to sort of, you know, we sort of have to 
uh, help people prepare and train them for the mountain. And a lot of times what we as you know landscapers do or something when we come in and install a landscape is we drop the people off at 13,000 feet you know, where there's no oxygen and we expect them to get to the rest of the way up the summit. And so, you know, as an educator, I'm constantly asking myself, you know, how can we better educate, cultivate gardeners so that they can be better prepared for the challenges? To- well, you mentioned the, the guitars, going to a music store and seeing all those guitars. It, with hope, you had somebody to guide you to say, this is the one for you. And when and, you go to a nursery or garden center with hope, you, and it doesn't happen in the box stores for sure, you have someone yeah. who can help you and guide you. And I, believe it or not, we're out of time. But, oh, that's uh, a sad thing. <laughs> my guest today has been the future Dr. Jared Barnes. But I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you, Ken. I really appreciate it. It was great to have a chance to chat about uh, the future of our industry and and just have a good conversation. So I really appreciate you for inviting me. I'm always eager to talk to young people in horticulture, people who are the future of what Jared calls the industry, the future of horticulture, maybe the future of gardening, to get more people, young people, people of all ages, interested in gardening and plants and getting outdoors. Join me again next week for another edition of Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show.